developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Isotope Native Instruments and Plugin Alliance are launching a whole bunch of super hot deals for the Summer of Sound sale. From now until the 6th of July 2023, Isotope are offering all their software for 50% or more off including the comprehensive mixing and mastering bundle Music Production Suite 5, as well as flagship tools like Ozone, RX, Neutron, and more. All things I use to edit this podcast. Visit isotope.com and check out the frankly colossal range of things that you can get at extraordinary prices. And take your mixing and editing to a whole new level. Listen up, dear listeners in the UK. There's a brand new guitar show this year, the Brighton Guitar Show. It's a one-day show happening on the 15th of July at the Brighton Racecourse, and it's going to be great. We'll be there along with loads of your favourite boutique and major brands like Two Notes Audio Engineering, Chapman Guitars, Fidelity Guitars, Thought B Effects, Pedal Patch, Bright Onion Pedals, Ranger Effects, NRG Effects, Great Eastern Effects, Iverson Guitars, Kurt Mangan Strings, Maybury Lake, and lemon audio Xander circuitry and loads and loads more what more excuse do you need to come to sunny brighton the birthplace of guitar nerds than a guitar show full of guitars pedals effects and accessories come say hi hang out have a beer and check out all the cool gear with matt jd and i you might even see a few of the og guitar nerds hosts knocking about for tickets visit brightonguitarshow.co.uk or check them out on social media with Brighton Guitar Show. See you there. JD, I um I used to run a dating service for chickens. Hmm. But um I was struggling to make hens meet. Uh, good, good. It was good. It's, I had a, I had several to choose from this week. Justice is a dish best served cold. If it was served warm, it would be called just water. <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah. That's a that's yeah, a yeah. good. That's a clever yeah. play on spelling as well as a yeah. good dad joke. It's almost too elevated to be a dad joke. I think that's yeah. only just there. Oh well, it's interesting. It's like if it were in one of those dad joke books, I think reading it, you'd be like, oh yeah, I get it. You know, like it makes more yeah, sense reading. Like it's the, a written the, dad joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The effort is when you're you're telling it. And you're like, oh, I get it because I know spelling. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's that's the difference. That's a written format dad joke. I understand now. Hello, dear listener. Hello, and welcome to the Guitar Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by JD Short. Hello. Hello, hello, JD. How uh, how's it going? Welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thanks. Yeah. No, uh, everything's going well. Still sort of, um, I feel like I'm finally recovered from Glastonbury times. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. Matt and I spoke about some of the guitars of Glastonbury, uh, but you actually got to go. You were working the, uh, were you working the Lost Lost uh, Property? That was it. Yeah. Lost Property. Um, All part of the wellness team, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, did, Did some Lost Property stuff. It was great. Saw some amazing things, got to be, um, yeah, I mean, Glass- it was the first time I've been to Glastonbury and the weather, the weather was lovely the whole time. And like actually having, uh, shifts at Lost Property, it was only like a few shifts, but like having them sort of gave you sort of markers throughout the week. Right. Uh, I went basically was there Wednesday morning and left like Monday morning. So it was, you know quite some time so but like having yeah. and i had a shift on wednesday and monday so like having having those sort of bookends was was a nice way to sort of be able to 
quasi tell time at least while you're there because time is time is irrelevant when, uh, when it's there so i see i yeah, see it's, it's good times and you actually got to see some of the gear firsthand i saw you post about uh slashes travis bean was that yeah. the double necked travis bean no it was just it was just like a regular um yeah the main mod. i don't know exactly which model it was because i was nowhere near uh the stage but um right. but on screen we definitely yeah, it was it was just great that I saw that I w- I wasn't expecting Slash to come out with like a Travis Bean because like you know I've always seen him with like the BC Riches and you know Les Pauls famously and then you know first second song was with a Travis Bean and I was like well here we go I'm into this and like, <laughs> like they they sounded great Duff the bass player for Guns N' Roses Duff his tone was in, was incredible um, and also like the bass well all the tones for Queens of the Stone Age were great, but like that was the other, the other sort of bass tone that really stood out to me. Um, but Duff, you know, famously just uses the, the MXR preamp through. Oh, really? What is that? The, M- the M80, I think. Yeah. M80, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And it's just, it just sounded massive, you know, and right. it was such a, such a good, perfect tone. And I, I really wasn't prepared for how good Guns N' Roses would sound. Uh, sort of like they, yeah, they, they was just really great. Like all the the guitar and bass tones, especially, were were fantastic. That's not me shirking the actual question, but it's just like it's like <laughs> no, those well, are the no, things no. that really really stood out. I was like, oh, it's just like real proper rock and roll tones, you know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and made me appreciate a lot of their. A lot of their like a lot of their guitar playing and like the the intertwined nature of like Slash and whomever. Um, well, I know their name, but you know, like it's easier, it, but you know, like the other rhythm guitar player over yeah. the years. Yeah, and yeah, it was just it was just like a really really great. Yeah, it's really great to see him, and then like Slash's soloing is is one where it's. It's like I forgot how recognizable his soloing is because there'd be bits yeah. like songs I didn't really know. Where I'm like, yeah, this is definitely Slash playing, you know. <laughs> and just yeah, like, yeah. that's you know, sort of sloppy blues solos, but just I don't know the the way that he does it is so it's not only recognizable, it's also had such a massive impact. And yeah, I, I think I forgot until I saw him doing, uh, you know, what he does again, being mm. like, oh yeah, you can. It's, it's it's so clear how much of music he is influenced with that with with his playing style with his soloing style. Yeah, it's it's amazing because it's I don't know. It was weird like watching them, and it, you know, Appetite for Destruction was the first cassette I ever bought with my own money, <laughs> and I paid over the odds because we were on holiday, and it was one of those like, oh, I definitely want it, and I. Um, this used to be like embarrassing, but I've told so many people this story now. But it's like I remember, like I loved that album so much that in the, like in the liner notes, I I had written in like pink marker pen, you know, because you know, let's face it, it was like the eighties, and so I wrote like JD lead vocals with Axel or whatever, <laughs> like, and then so I like wrote my name in the liner notes and. <laughs> I just like I, I know I know, like, like I love that album so much and it's and I just it's it's weird so like watching them was like a really was really important to me right um and in a way that I didn't think it would be but it was just yeah. weird like oh I I'm getting to see Guns N' Roses because I've never seen them before yeah and and it was it was just the thing of of feeling like like they're definitely from a different era, you know, like a lot of their songs, it feels like, okay, especially this stuff off appetite or, um, well, anything pre use your illusion, like that sort of like sort of final kind of heyday of like original ish guns and roses, um, drummers aside, but it's, it was, it was just that thing of, of, just feeling oh this is definitely this is definitely of a different time where a lot of stuff at glastonbury didn't feel like that you know so like like even seeing elton or seeing whoever didn't feel like things didn't feel like okay this was this is music's moved on since since this happened but like and it you know a lot of times it it really hasn't but it was just it was just this weird nostalgic sense that i didn't get with like other other bands you know it might have been because like a lot of the other bands i saw you know, if 
that were big that have been around for a while, like I did, I don't know loads about them. Like I don't know loads about Arctic monkeys because they weren't big in the States. And, you know, and I didn't live in Sheffield, you know? And so (laughs) it's just, you know, I like, I'd heard of them because I listened to radio one and stuff, you know, for like the last 20 years, but it's, you know, like I don't have the same connection with them. So like seeing them, it's like, Oh, okay, cool. You know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it it definitely was like Matt and me spoke about it last week on the podcast. It was so, Glastonbury was such a great festival for, mm. for gear, for, uh, for seeing cool and interesting guitars. And, and I guess, you know, Guns N' Roses were really at the, at the heart of that, along with Arctic Monkeys, I think. Yeah. I mean, s- Slash changed guitars like nearly every song, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And it was, it was, it was great. And just, yeah, like Travis Beans, Les Paul's, BC Riches other random stuff you know it's just like oh, it's it's stuff you don't see that often you yeah. know like yeah absolutely so it's, it's cool yeah absolutely well so well uh, shortly after glastonbury uh, actually this uh, weekend just gone i went to love supreme festival just outside of glind down here dear listener on the south coast of england um and it's a it's a, it's a wonderful jazz festival uh it's got you know it, like four or five stages and what it does is it it, it puts on great brilliant fresh new and interesting old jazz acts on a couple of the tent stages and then it makes its money by putting on old sort of uh your mum's compilation cd soul acts on the on the main stage and that's how they they make their money loads of people turn up and just hang out on the main stage watching yeah i, I couldn't even name <laughs> the, yeah, the people yeah. but they're, they're all apparently famous and uh and uh you know i got to knock around some of the jazz stages watching absolutely fantastic music with uh with my partner emma and uh we were we were watching one of the one of the early um one of the jazz bands on early in the day and you know whatever people clap and, and emma turns to me and she's she's like i don't understand. i don't know when to clap and it's like oh yes of course you clap after solos not at the end of songs mm. that's that's when you clap at a jazz gig <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah that's it just clap there but uh but thundercat was actually headlining one of the stages and the funny thing was that i think a lot of youngsters turned up for thundercat because of course amazing bass player dear listener you'll be aware of his ibanez signature model hollow body six string fretted ibanez bass with a couple of active soap bars and uh one of those uh ramps fitted in the middle lovely fella amazing music basically auto wire and ring mod the entire time um very cool but he doesn't he's been famous he's famous for his poppy songs but he is a jazz musician so his sets are jazz interpretations between a piano player him on bass and a drummer of those songs he doesn't have all this stuff that that made those tracks it's jazz versions of the song so it's mostly instrumental bass solos and every now and again he might sing a little verse from maybe a song that you might recognize and it was almost the reverse at the thundercat gig because people were cheering every time they recognized a bit because <laughs> i think so many people had turned up for the hits <laughs> and actually just got essentially a two-hour bass solo but uh it was uh it, it was very good. It was very good. I got to see lots of, unfortunately, not like, dear listener, I don't have a load of great um, guitar stories from Love Supreme because it was mostly uh, like Latin music, uh, a bit of like Nigerian-inspired jazz. Mulatu Asatke, the guy who invented Ethiopian jazz, was there. So it, it was all uh, mostly percussion mm-hmm. <laughs> and vibraphones. That's what I was watching. So I don't have any cool um guitar things to say but nonetheless a great festival dear listener if you want something a little bit different yeah i i I think the thing for me like this thing about like festivals are such a great a great place to be inspired by just music and and you know we talked about this pre-glassenberry is like one of my favorite things about festivals is like is going to see a bit of a band that i wouldn't go across town to see but like, I right. would definitely go see it at a fest. You know, it's like, oh, well, they're here. I'll just go check them out. And just like being surprised and just, just seeing so many cool, so many cool pieces of gear, so many p- people doing like really cool things. Um, like one of the things to talk about, like Young Fathers yeah. uh, played Glastonbury and it's really worth watching their, I, I'd watch their setback on iPlayer if, if possible. Cause it's like, they have so many really interesting things. Like they have like a real, like spring reverb, like giant 
spring reverb kit that they use to like strike the spring and like make noises. But then they have load like a rack of of synths and and they're basically using like a a Korg uh, Vulture like yeah, delay the you know, and stuff like that. And, yeah, uh, they they had the Volters and also the even the the smaller, more basic ones, the Monotrons or yeah, yeah. Microtrons or whatever they're yeah. called. They're, I, they're battery powered and they've got them all like rack mounted in a row. Yeah. And those those monotrons are great. Like it's, I remember I got mine for it was like they were like fifty fifty dollars <laughs> yeah. in the day, yeah. and I was like used to just. There's not much you can do with it. I got it just when I was traveling a bunch, just to have something like okay, now I can at least make sounds. You yeah, know? <laughs> but it's like running them through stuff. They sound great, but it's but like they're auxiliary musicians, like you know, slide guitar, just regular <clears throat> other guitar. But then they also have the old like telephone receiver, like rewired to be. Uh, you know, just to be used it as a microphone and stuff like that. And it's like, it's just seeing like all that stuff was like, Oh yeah, we used to do that. Like I had bands that we did that, you know, the classic old had a wired, a microphone into a gas mask because, you know, it was the cool nineties and stuff. And that's what you did. And, (laughs) and, and all of that. And it's like, it's just, it's just so much like gear things you don't normally see. Yeah. They were quite Even, old yeah. school, weren't they? Yeah. So many things that have ended up being a laptop on the side of the stage. Yeah, this is a, this is this sort of thing is definitely affecting rock music now, but certainly it's affected electronic music much yeah. quicker. Yeah. Far fewer things are being done with rack gear anymore. And I, I agree, I love Young Fathers, and it's lovely to watch them create all of their sounds completely. They have so many musicians on stage. I mean, that you know, Young Fathers essentially have three vocalists. Half the time, one of the vocalists is just repeating a loop that is probably, a, a, could just be a sampled loop of yeah. one line, but they do it live. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's so good. Like, I was, I was really, because I was right up front, so I could just oh, see amazing. all the gear stuff, and I was like, oh, this is great. Um and yeah, it was just it was just really cool to see them actually actually working stuff. And those monotrons, huge sounding. <laughs> like and like on on like the West Hold stage, I was just like, this is this is great. And that's fifty dollars that thing. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He had it running into I think a fender twin just on its yeah. side. But yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Loads, loads of amps that they had. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. yeah, they were a, a super cool band. Now this uh, this this week actually just gone. Also, I went to Fender's new secret oh, yeah. artist center. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. It's, it, it, it is a secret. 
I, I mean, it I, was I think a secret. It was a secret. <laughs> no, I, you're not allowed to say where it is. Now, I do know that like a, a publication has at some point broken that that uh, and and told people where it is. But it's it's a secret location in London. It's an invite only artist center. So I went down there um, to uh, to check out all of the stuff. That was it. Was lovely to get invited and. Um, uh, so I, I I went down to check out all their new stuff. Lovely to see Jay Cross and Dan Grace there because of course they also um, they also work. They have their offices, their new Fender offices out of there in London. And I also met up with long time podcast listener and Patreon supporter Sean Hughes, who was over with his family from the states. Um, on, yeah, on their holiday, they were doing all the things you expect, all the uh, you know the 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 London dungeon tours and all of those uh, <laughs> all of those things. But um, but I hooked up with him for the day, and he came with me down to the um, to to the to the Fender place, which was wonderful to get to see all the gear. They have like several floors. They've got a floor for high performance, they call it. So that's all their EVH stuff, their Charvels, their Jacksons. That was really cool to see all of those things. Obviously, was slightly less my cup of tea, but amazing custom builds, their one-offs, things like that in this, you know, gorgeous, big, long sort of London in, you know, building uh, sort of warehouse style building just filled with all these uh gorgeous high performance guitars next floor up is gretch and you've got some amazing stuff they even had like a they had an old stumpomatic the uh the oh, fallout patrick yeah. stump from fallout boy don't like the band but my goodness that man has taste in guitars so there was a lovely three fidelitron pickup solid body um double speed striped black and white um Patrick Stump, Stumpermatic, uh, um, which was lovely to see. Gretsch full, full of interesting stuff, including the, uh, the I can't remember the the name of the model, the Gretsch that Dave Grohl played when he came on stage with Guns N' Roses. Um, so that was, that was pretty cool what to see. You can, yeah, I can't remember. Either. Yeah. I, I, I don't know I, what it was. I had, I had left by that point to be fair. So. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. Um, and then on the top floor is of course the fender floor. And I got up there, I was like, brilliant, full of stuff. You know, I'd been out for a meeting with, uh, fender beforehand. And then I was like, we, we got up to the top floor Jay Cross and Dan Grace were like, that's cool. We'll, we'll come up and uh, we'll show you some of the things. I'm like, brilliant. Get up there. Amazing room full of sofas, gear, amps, merchandise, all of this stuff all around me. And I was like, brilliant. I'm going to, I'm going to do some videos. I'm going to take some photos. And they were like, Oh, actually, well, you can't take a photo on this wall because this is actually embargo. This isn't coming out until later in the year. And they were like, Oh no, this is also, but oh, this is too. And it turned out that half the room was unreleased <laughs> stuff that I had to sign an NDA for, which I am, I am very upset about, dear listener. I really want to talk to you about some of the amazing <laughs> things, um, that, uh, that I saw there, but I, I, I have been, uh, yeah, I have been very, very forcibly by Jay Cross, absolutely banned from, uh, talking about anything, uh, at all that I, that I saw there essentially. But I will say the next few months from Fender are going to be extraordinary <laughs> and incredibly exciting. They had some really, really, really awesome interesting Aerodines. wonderful oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if i'm excited about it, it it can't be that or could it dear listener i probably I, I don't think i'm allowed to say anything in either way i think they they actually get quite funny quite quickly about those sorts of things old fender so uh so yeah but best i mean i actually probably shouldn't have put this even in the in the notes to talk about because i essentially can't talk about anything and uh, Fender being the huge conglomerate that they are, <laughs> it's uh, it's not like me breaking an embargo with uh, Ashdown <laughs> by accident. I, uh, I really, uh, on pain of death, can't uh, can't upset you know Mister X Disney. So uh, so yeah. So but I will say, dear listener, there were some absolutely fantastic things there. Um, a, a wonderful uh, little amp room where you can try out all of their bits and bobs. How to go on some wonderful custom shops. Just everything they're doing is still so fantastic, so on the nose. The build quality that's coming out of their custom shop at the moment is absolutely incredible. Um, it made me want to buy an awful lot of things, but... Um, 
Yes, a, a, a wonderful. But I'm, I'm sort of realizing, dear listener, as I'm talking about this, how little I can talk about this. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, moving on. Yeah, moving uh, on. So, <laughs> apologies, dear listener, for the slightly uh, nothingy uh, subject matter that, that, that I just no, discussed. I, I mean, I think it's really exciting to to know that you went to a, one that Fender has that place here. Yeah, and that and that you got you got a chance to go see a bunch of stuff, and that there's stuff to be excited about. Like that's, yeah. I mean, I feel like w- you and I are usually excited about all things, and so, so but it's but it's it's just really nice to have to just be like, oh, I can't I can't wait. Like the excitement of like, oh, something's coming soon, you know. And like that's that's just yeah. I mean, it's why we do this, isn't it? So it's yeah. it's great, exactly so, for the new stuff, for the yeah. new stuff. But we'll uh, we'll see. You know, watch watch this space, dear listener. It's about to get very good very quickly. Um, <laughs> now, saving me from breaking embargoes, there was the question duck that's reminded me to remind you, dear listener, that after JD and I finish this episode, we're heading over to patreon.com forward slash guitar nodes, where we're going to record a whole extra episode where we're going to talk about things, topics, questions, stuff like that that's been raised on the guitar nerds group on facebook this week we're going to try and talk around some things like a John Mahon um, has reached a time in his life where he stares longingly at 335 or 335 to you, uh, JD, um, uh, uh, style guitars. Um, And he's talking about options there that he's got. He knows that I like um, the, uh, you know, the, the, some of the Japanese copies, things like that, Eastman. Um, So maybe we'll talk about some options that he's got there. Hope Benedict, is in a conundrum somewhere between Kemper and line six. So maybe we'll talk about the pros and cons. People have weighed in, commented on all the options. Other people like David Lucas have commented on there saying, you know, look, you've also got, don't forget things like Tone X, which we spoke about very positively on the podcast. Big fans of that and a great way to, um, you know, great way to to save money, basically, because they're so affordable. And Sam Brooksby, who seems to always be uh, someone that we're talking about because he is just so great, uh, has always been a Telecaster person, but he's recently discovered Les Pauls, and he's feeling like he's sort of <laughs> wasted his life and, uh, <laughs> when he could have been playing Les Pauls. So I thought maybe we'd talk about guitars that JD and I have played that have really changed us and been like, oh, damn, I, why have I... You go down a certain road, don't you? And sometimes you just don't question it. And then, uh, uh, you know, you try something else. So maybe we'll we'll talk about that. Before we do, um, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I accidentally... I think we, when we were podcasting JD last, yeah. uh, that I accidentally um, made a purchase of a Squire Silver Series Precision Bass yeah. on eBay. I did not expect to win it i it did not cost me a lot of money but i foolishly placed a bid not realizing that the listing finished in the middle of the night so i won another p base that i didn't need but it was cool they're quite silver series they're japanese made but they're not considered part of that uh those those first Japanese squires that now you see any of the tellies, the strats, the the basses, the jazz or the P, they're all going for over a grand. They're very, very sought after. The Silver Series, for whatever reason, is less highly regarded. It's a later time period. A lot of them are mid-90s um, before Squire was moved to Korea. And even those mm. Korean ones are really good. But anyway, they don't go for a lot of money, the Silver Series. This one in particular was a rosewood neck, black body, black plate. The rosewood on the neck was absolutely fantastic. Now, I will caveat, I've never received, uh, and this isn't the guy's fault at all. He, he was someone that had stopped, uh, you know, he'd given up playing music or he'd stopped playing music. And this had sat wherever, you know, in a cupboard for years. He decided to sell it. <laughs> yeah. It had never been cleaned. It was so, <laughs> so filthy. It was so gross. Um, I was like, I got it. And I was like, cool. He said it might need a bit of a setup. And I was like, got out of the box. And I was like, yeah, the next banana, but that's fine. That's not something I, I can't fix. Check the electrics. I was like, brilliant. They work. So this is, uh, this is win-win. Um, and I thought, well, I'll just, you know, bung some strings on it and set it up. And hey, you know, I've got a brilliant guitar. And I sort of looked at it and was like, no, I I need to take this apart and deep clean this. So uh, so that's what I did. So that's what I've been doing this week. Um, on the neck, the neck was obviously very filthy. So first things first, 
um i uh i i wet the neck slightly with like i've got this uh lovely fender it's like a quick clean which is basically it's not quite a polish it's a more watery version of a polish but handy to put on a fretboard if you just need to get it a little wet and then take the edge of a credit card and get all the gunk off of the board so just scrape away at the main board it's important to use something plastic not something metal that's going to scratch it and also to go lengthways down the frets not across because you end up sort of you know putting scratches on the fretboard that way so I, I do that clean that off then i take some some wire wool some whatever the finest one is triple o i have no idea quadruple o i don't know whatever the fine one is do that so then you get the the rest of the dirt off of the fretboard with that and then a bunch of lemon oil and then i have the music nomad frine which is their fret bosch uh, fret fret bosch fret polish (laughs) their fret polish kit which has these lovely little guards that go over your fret so they've got three different or four different sizes depending on the size of your fret you pop the guard over the top they've got these microfiber cloths and this frying uh, sort of paste that you put a little bit on the cloth and then you can polish up each fret individually it's dead easy it takes no time that polish doesn't really cost a lot and it makes such a massive difference to your guitar uh, i recommend doing that you know even if you haven't you know bought an absolutely filthy instrument dear listener just to keep on top of your well, on top of your guitar it's a it's a good thing to do but all of all of those things done what i had was a, a gorgeously figured wonderful um rosewood neck obviously lemon oil on the on the neck to finish. I was thinking about putting some Montepresso on there, but uh, went lemon oil in the end. I'm sure, sure you will at some point. <laughs> exactly. You. I, just I, back to like the fret polishing. Like it's such a, it makes such a huge difference when frets are really finely polished. One, it's also like make sure you don't have any burrs or like the strings don't get caught in anything. Because that's besides like your bridge, that's the number one cause of string breakage. Is like right. just a rough spot on a fret. The other thing is like. It just feels so lovely to play, like with really highly polished frets. Like it yeah. just everything feels so silky, and it's yeah. And like you said, like especially with those fret guards. Like one, I find it's just it's a real meditative process to be able to just yeah. like just like kind of like work fret by fret, you know, putting them on there. But the 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 fret guards are really like fretboard guards, I guess. Really, they are. Is it's just really great because it means you don't have to like. You know, you don't worry about taping everything up and yeah. and all of that, and removing. And it's just sort of well, it just makes it pretty, such yeah. an easy, quick process. Like it probably took me, I don't know, twenty minutes tops to do yeah. the whole board, maybe less, maybe like fifteen minutes. It's so easy and makes your guitar so immediately better. It's just, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's. I mean, we. It's one of the things we talked about with the Bronkoff too, but it's like it's one of the things you can do to make a, an inexpensive instrument feel like a much more expensive instrument is just right. like take that detail, but, but you know, but you think about it, like even if it takes you 20 minutes to do that, 20 minutes extra manufacturing time is a difference between, uh, you know, a 200 pound guitar and a 500 pound guitar. That's a really a good point. I never thought about that, but yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's something that's easy to do and makes a big difference. Um, so yeah, so that, that that was great. Did that. Had a look, little look at the body. Now those Squire series, they come with those super thin one ply scratch plates with no uh, no foil or anything on the underside either. So I was like, oh, it does look good, just that single ply. But it's really, they're, you know, they're they're not they're not amazing. And especially mm. on a P base where you've got your input jack mounted into the scratch plate it's 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 so easy to bend those and i was uh, i'm gonna change it so i i changed out the the plate um cleaned it all up put the whole thing back together pickups fine you know volume and tone control fine the pots were a little the, the pots were shallower because they were designed for the single ply plate mm. so i did really struggle to to get them done up on a three ply but i'll change the pots at a later date so that's that that's fine that wasn't a problem got it all together um and i'm quite good at a rough eyeballed setup i've set up so many guitars that i can i don't necessarily need whilst i really love the keep it simple setup the music nomad mm. kit with all the measures I'm quite good at just a rough eyeball. I don't need things to be perfect. So I do that. I roughly get the neck where I 
no, it needs, I need it to be. I, oh, I changed the bridge. I had like an old badass bridge. They're not badass anymore, are they? Omega. Omega uh, yeah. So I, I had one of those lying around. So I popped a new uh, Omega bridge on it, um, set the neck up, set the bridge, sat and played it. And I was like, huh, the action is still miles off the fretboard. I'll do this again. So I went back over it. And I was like, no, I kind of feel like I had this right. Action was still high. I was like, okay, obviously I'm not in- as talented as I think I am. I'm, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to get the, the, get the little files out, get the little measures out. Let's do the neck properly. So I, it, you know, whatever it is, uh, the 0.008 uh, at the, uh, at the sixth fret is what you want. Oh no. So yeah. Yeah. Is it that one? I think it's that one. You do the feeler test, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, with the first fret and the 12th fret. And then on the mm-hmm. sixth fret, you're putting that 0.008 feeler test. And I was like, nope. That was right. That is exactly on the money. Maybe a little adjustment there, dear listener. Got it right. I was like, maybe the bridge is wildly out. Maybe I have totally missed on the bridge. Measured that up. I was like, nope. That's also completely right. Net action still massively off the board. So I have no idea. I was completely stumped. I was like, I've never had this happen before. I guess I need a shim in the neck. Mm. It's just a it's a weird thing. I've never come across this. This makes me sound like such a layman. I've set up countless guitars, and I was like, I've never had this problem before. Not this way round, you know. It's yeah. it, but um. So yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna try a shim. I might even try taking off the Omega bridge. Maybe the maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe there's some inherent problem with that bridge. I can't work it out. But. Uh, it- yeah, I mean, unless unless you can try to lower the bridge saddles a bit. Yeah, I lowered that, them to the point where I was losing some of my frets, and mm. uh, it was still high action. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a shim potentially. You know, I mean, just to just to give a bit of angle to the neck. But yeah, I think that's it. I think maybe there's a weird dip somewhere unusual in the neck. Yeah, it's it's it, it's one of those things. It's like really interesting to be able to to not be able to see it and to try yeah. to like because it, it's you know if you're looking down the side of the neck, yeah. you know, and there's no curve or or the sort of expected sort of yeah. you know sort of relief you would imagine, then yeah, it's yeah, and if everything's measuring correctly, you would imagine you'd, you'd feel like it's got to be yeah. it's got to be right unless it's just really high at like you know the twentieth fret or nineteenth. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. So, something. There's this something yeah. wrong. I'm obviously doing something very silly here. I just haven't worked it out. What do you think, dear listener? Are you an expert setter upper? Are you listening to me talk right now and yelling at the screen? The screen? I don't know why you're listening oh. on a screen. Yelling into the air and saying, "Why haven't you done this?" Let me know. Let me know. I do want to know. I want to find <laughs> out what the solution is. Um, but yeah, that's. Uh, that's that's my my dilemma with the P base. Uh, I saw JD, you were uploading some pictures from your uh, your Bronco. You were yeah. you were talking recently about whether or not you're going to add another pickup to that Bronco. Is that still on the cards? Yeah, I mean it's still on the cards. I just have to I have to figure out how and when and what I want to do. But I think you know I think you know I may end up just getting a a totally new sort of scratch plate made and or make one and just kind of figure out like what I want to do with a different layout or, or something. But yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I uploaded all those photos cause it was, it sort of came around as, you know, one of those like Instagram um, suggested reels. And I was like, actually, oh, really? this looks, this looks pretty all right. Uh, let me just, you know, tweak some things a bit. And I was like, I'll, I'll just do this. Cause it, you know, it was, it was a good fun time. And I don't think I really posted that much of like all the gear, shots going in like the, yeah. the dunlop pots before they were there and like all the all the shielding yeah you, you did know, all the trim. shielding and everything yeah. i forgot that you did that that was yeah a- i mean i always have copper tape around so <laughs> it's, 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 it's just just my thing well one all of that started when i i lived in an old farmhouse for a while and literally everything buzzed and so i was working on i was working on a jazz bass at the time and i couldn't get it to not have um, that that sixty cycle home, and then I just I just did everything I possibly could to do it, and then from that point on, I just got really really into 
shielding and <laughs> and and everything so that it became like a bit obsessive you know with me so like all my bases whatever i have i usually you know take everything out and strip and just put shield like all the shielding back and everything and you know i've tried the you know the copper tape is great as long as you you know it, it's always overlapping and always touching and you don't leave any spaces um and i've also used the conductive paint from um stumac like in the states so just like actually doing um you know the anti like the shielding paint that you can do like around cavities and stuff like that if you prefer that and building up a few layers so it's um it's not something i've ever done before is it what, what's the more affordable option out of the two between tape and paint well or, and what um, works better um i i mean i think the the copper tape is probably probably both of those the the paint i really like it's just that you can't buy it in a or I've never been able to see it at, where you could buy it in a quantity that was for one or two guitars, you know. So you end up buying like oh. a pot, a <laughs> pot of paint, and you're like, "Well, I guess I'm doing all of mine." And you're like, "Okay, now I still have loads left over." And it's a bit like, it's a bit like a bed liner uh, for like a pickup truck or something like that, like the spray on bed liner kind oh, of right, stuff that yeah. you can do. So it's so you really need to build up layers, and it's it takes a lot of time and everything, and it just at the end of the day, it just looks like black paint. Whereas I, I quite like the, the, the copper tape or, you know, just full copper shielding idea. One, you know, cause if, if once you get the technique down around like bending corners and stuff, it's pretty all right. But then, um, also it just, it just looks cool. You know, <laughs> it's like you take everything out and it's like, it's like, Oh, that's, this is copper. And it's like, I built a Faraday cage inside my guitar. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just a good look. And it's, also, the f- the first bass I ever had with that was the the custom I had built in like late nineties, early two oh, thousands. Yeah. Five and, string, yeah, that five string where it's like, and everything there is like it's it's all copper tapes, you know, within an inch of its life. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And so like, there's also that like that's really where I first learned about it in a sense. And so it's also this like, oh, it's a premium thing to do, you know. So, but it also. Is great. I mean, I've also had bases where they sound fine without it, but um, it's just at the first sign of any unwanted noise. That's you. I just <laughs> that's you know I just I take everything apart. Or if I'm if I'm replacing pots or doing stuff like in a control cavity anyway, it's like well, well, I'm here. I might as well, I might as well do this. And I usually, you know, I I still have a couple. I well, I think I used it up on the Bronco, but I I still had rolls um, from that I bought from Stuart McDonald when I was in the U S still. So you right. know, it's like stuff that lasts forever, you know? So Yeah, that's cool. That sounds like a handy thing to have. It's not something I've ever done on anything, but, um, but yeah, may, maybe, maybe worth it for, cause I, I have really enjoyed with this squire being like, I'm just going to make this good. And I know that <laughs> I currently mm. haven't, but I'm really <laughs> enjoying, I, like I've got no rush for this instrument. Mm. It's still on the bench. Maybe this is something I'll, I'll invest in as well. Cause it would be nice to make it as good as it can be. It's, it's, it's nice. It's fun to do that. Even though it's a, you know, it's, it's a relatively inexpensive guitar. It's nice to put a little bit of effort in. I mean, I, th- I yeah, I agree. I think that's one of it, when when you have a guitar like this, the unexpected purchase, right? Where you're like, yeah. oh, maybe I'll just give this a go. Like it, it really is just kind of like having. It just gives you a place to like have fun and like and do mods and try stuff and and be like, oh, I've I've never actually done this before. Let me just give it a go, you know, or. Or like, if you wanted to be like, I've always wanted a fretless. Maybe I'll try ripping the frets out, but I don't want to. <laughs> you know, like the first one I did that on was was one of my old Warwicks. You know, right. <laughs> like, and I was like, maybe I shouldn't have started with like a two thousand pound instrument. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> but like it's like because there is a technique to it that I I finally got probably around the twenty fourth fret. Um, but, you know, it just it just things like that. But it's yeah, I I, I mean that's again kind of talking back to about the bronco it's like it's one of the great things about it where it's like no maybe i want to swap the pickups around i have no there's no worry 
that like yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna devalue it, and it's like the value is in me being able to do this stuff, which I like doing, and being able to like oh I've always wanted to have this kind of pickup. Maybe I'll try it. Maybe I'll you know it's just it's just fun to be able to to do different stuff all the time. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And you might even land on something that you that you can't live without on any guitar afterwards yeah. as well. The ultimate pickup configuration. Yeah. I mean, you know, look at all the old stories we hear from like our heroes that have done stuff like put an ovation pickup, you know, in their bass or did something, you know, like did their own like swimming pool route, you know, and and just like chucked, you know, who was the first person to chucked a a humbucker into a strat, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That I think the end of the seventies start the eighties is so responsible for that. It was like the modding era. Mm. You know, you look at, uh, look at like Billy Sheehan's guitar, you know, that's uh, um, look at Eddie Van Halen. You know, those were that. That was these were legendary, legendary instruments that were just them putting whatever in. You know, even you look at the Black Strat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think also I feel like that time is the first time that there started to be some sort of standardization. And then, so it was like everyone, so it's like, so like you almost had a platform to build on as opposed to everything being completely wild and bespoke. And, you know, like you couldn't swap bridges because they just clearly didn't work. He's like trying to put like a, like a Gibson style floating bridge on the Strat. And you're like, well, this, this doesn't work. This is built for an entirely different kind of guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, um, I, uh, I, I, I wanted to mention actually this week, dear, dear listener, that we are teaming up with Chapman Guitars. So we're going to be giving away an ML1X, one of their lovely super strat style guitars. Still working out exactly how I'm going to do that. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'll be talking about that with them over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to sort that out. Obviously, dear listener, we are only a couple of weeks away from starting the build uh, of the vintage pro shop guitar as well. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so we'll see where we get to with that. But I've got the Chapman ML1X here. I'm going to record some sound samples and things like that with it over the next uh, over the next little while. I've also got the Jodo gas jockey which i'm going to talk about in detail next week that is a very cool firebird meets stratocaster triple mini humbucker guitar but the ml1x i was jd we were talking about this Mm. before i was like yeah dear listener you know i'm obviously a traditionalist so chapman guitars have never been quite my wheelhouse lots of you dear listener love a, a modern style instrument and i appreciate this isn't exactly modern it's more uh functional and uh, i'm always you know form over function but the ML1X is a cracking little, like, simple strap, strat style HSS. It's a mahogany body. It's got, like, a lovely maple cap on it. Um, you've got a, a, a lovely strat trim. The pickups are fantastic. The HSS, you can get some lovely, their, their own Chapman Alnico 5 pickups. You get some great straight. I'm, I'm using the in-between settings quite a lot on this, mm. but you've got a big full bore humbucker there as well. They haven't gone for a super skinny modern neck. There's some chunk to it, Kelly-esque almost in the neck. So it's just a good, we, we were saying, JD, I was like, I think if I just needed one guitar next to my desk to do a bit of everything on, that's exactly what this is, and well built, and they're like five nine nine, which yeah. is not a bunch. Yeah, I mean that's it's a really they're a really great price, and it, it's one of those guitars because I've seen it. You know that, that it, if you just look at it, you're like that's that's definitely like well more than five nine nine. You know, yeah. <laughs> like like it looks like a really great guitar, and then the thing is, like you're saying, like the the chunky neck is great because that's usually one of the things I struggle with with strats and also i mean i love the option of a, a humbucker as well you know like a bridge bridge humbucker and single coils just gives you so much flexibility it's, i mean it's, it's classic you know <laughs> so yeah. It's, yeah it's really really cool i dig it 
Yeah, it is very cool. Now, I'm going to play... I actually recorded uh, a little demo with it earlier, but uh, you're not really going to get a feel for the guitar exactly, dear listener, because what I'm demoing is the... I mean, it's JD's on the podcast, so of course I'm going to talk about KMA machines. (laughs) Um, We're going to talk about the Cirrus, because we have... the KMA have got, coming out, something very special, a super limited edition version of the Cirrus. It's it's just a colorway limited edition version. But um uh so so all the all the innards are exactly the same, but they're hardly making any. It's very, very cool colorway. And I realized we'd never actually done a proper in-depth demo of the Cirrus on the podcast. And dear listener, if you're looking for like a delay and a reverb that kind of does the whole ambient thing the Cirrus is a great option. I think of it as being a bit like all the sort of Strymony style things that you get out there, the Boss 200 and 500 series, all those sorts of things. But they've done the whole thing with just rotary controls, no screens, nothing like that. You get three different delay voicings, three different reverb voicings. You can blend between them, but you can do really interesting things with the delay as well. Like the the time controls react like analog delay controls. You don't get that weird sort of scratchy, uh, you know, sort of breakdown sound you do on some digital delays. They work really well. The time, the time setting is so incredibly broad that actually wind it completely down. You get some great chorus settings. And if you max out the delay levels so that you're not getting any clean signal at all, you get some lovely like low five vibrato tones as well. It's just a it's it's a very versatile pedal. The the octave setting gives you great shimmer and stuff mm. like that. It's uh, it's super cool. What 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 do you use your Cirrus mostly for? Um, well, I mean, like what you're saying is like I really like the the sort of chorusy sounds I can get out of it because I'm using it. Well, two two things, which is also great that it's the same pedal that does both these things. One, I use it for just just a bit of chorus to make things bigger, create a bit of movement um, with the sounds. It's you when I'm playing, you know, like chords up high or something like that. It's just really nice to have some other movement with everything else that's going on. Um, And then I also really like it to just do giant walls of sound and, and weirdness. So like the, the shimmer's great. The, like all the different options you have for the, like the the tails you'll get for the delay and the reverb and everything it's just it's it's really multifunctional but i like i i like the the sort of the the sort of both ends of the spectrum like one like using it is like fairly subtly i would say and then the other side is like big washed out you know shimmer huge huge sound yeah. um and and honestly i'm using it because i presently i'm using a smaller pedal board than i normally would go with and i don't have like i don't have chorus on my board i don't have um i don't have another reverb on on my board so i'm sort of using it in places where when i would just use a chorus or reverb i use the the cirrus now in that mode and then when i want like what i what i would probably use this like in a bigger board what i would use it for is the big giant shimmer sounds and stuff like i would i use it for that as well it's just and it's just a couple tweaks between you know like i i like not having the presets and and also i like being able to twiddle the knobs in a usable noisy fashion yeah you know like you're saying like where it's like you know no one writes well bands that i'm usually playing with now no one has guitar solos but we all have like pedal solos and stuff and it's like it's really good for a pedal solo so that's it that's exactly it the serious really good for a pedal yeah. solo yeah um, well let's uh, let's play a little something to uh, the listener it's just gonna be solo guitar dear listener i'll uh, i'll play like uh, some simple sounds and then i'm gonna bring in a chorusy sound bring in the vibrato element and then we'll switch to the octave and you'll get some idea of the broad range of sounds that the Cirrus, um can create with ease.
have it. Okay, so that's the uh, that is the KMA Cirrus um, played with a nice little in between setting on the uh, on the Chapman ML One X. But uh, as you can hear, it's just it's just such a great pedal for doing kind of a bit of everything sort of simple tones to complete the ambient tones i didn't really bring in the reverb an awful lot only towards the end quite subtly but like jd says is capable of some absolutely massive huge whopping wall of sound delays perfect for like volume swells and stuff like that yeah I, and the other thing i just wanted to say about this is it was something we were talking about sort of just in casual conversation but um is around the, like the Cirrus is like, I find myself every once in a while just like wanting, like, well, I do this, but like sitting down with it again and just sort of having a play. And it's like a really good, it's just, uh, I really like to learn all the controls of every pedal I have, yeah. you know, in this sense. And it's like, there's so many controls and so many different combinations of stuff that I feel like I kind of learn a bit more each time and sort of all, all pedals like this that are the the big giant walls of sound and stuff creators you know like i i feel like they all benefit from actually spending time with the pedals and figuring out exactly how things work as opposed to sort of just kind of clicking it on and putting everything at at 12 o'clock or something you know yeah well, yeah, I mean, you talk about the Sirius. There are nine rotary controls on the <laughs> yeah. on the Sirius and then four switches. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's excluding the fact that it also um, – I used it a bit on there, but, like, holding the tap control mm. um, makes the delay tails go into oscillation. Holding the engage, the normal on-off foot switch, makes the, uh, makes the reverb decay go to sort of infinite – you know, it's it, there's there's a whole expression mode. You can assign an expression pedal to several different functions um, based on a rotary control as well. There's no screen there for you to flick yeah. through. And that's uh, honestly that's one of my favorite parts of the pedal. Is it's, it's like just having because because then like there are like when I ha- when I'm using it in like chorus mode, I want the expression pedal to be something different than when I'm using it in a different mode. And then I don't remember. How, it's basically like, can you click through all all nine controls or something like that? I think. Yeah, or I, d- I don't know. It's, if, yeah, I don't it's, know if it's pretty nine. substantial. One, two, three, four, um, five, six. There are six different yeah. options on the on the. Road. Yeah. So, so like basically like mid song, you can just you know one control changes like this. The expression control is a completely different parameter, and it's just such a it's such a versatile thing to have in a compact pedal without having like multiple multiple expression ends because i used i used to have those all the the moger fogger stuff that i used to use pretty extensively like they had individual inputs for each each thing so if i wanted Ah, one expression pedal to control time it goes into this spot if i wanted to go to delay that's great which which was also cool because at one point i had the ring mod and i had four four expression pedals <laughs> i i never like, knew yeah, that was yeah. the case that explains why everyone yeah. i know who's got one of the mogafogas has a, a, a load of expression pedals on yeah. a pedal board that's why oh, yeah it's a also just because like oh, it's just cool to use it but i i remember at one point i had <laughs> one one mogafoger four expression pedals for it and then a couple other little things and i had the moga expression pedals which i quite like anyway and it's just like <laughs> i was like this is almost an entire Moog board, <laughs> and it's just one pedal, really. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, they are they are very cool. But yeah, we you know talking about like um, learning how to use a pedal being a really important thing. We we spoke about this before we mm. started the podcast, but actually, dear listener, because I do a lot of these little videos for for KMA. Um, just because those sort of ambient soundscape pedals tend to be something I use a little bit less, you know, I really love a compressor or a transparent drive or, you know, something, something like that. That's more my wheelhouse. Um, I'd only ever plugged it in to make quick 30 second things. And that basically means find a sound. Here's that sound, play a little thing on it. And this was the first time that I sat down and went through it control by control. I was like, Oh, huh. I mean, the fact that I started off with those like chorus and then the vibrato sounds, I was like, I did not know I could do this, Mm. but it's very good. That is a really usable sound because that's just messing around with the sensitivity control when you're on the modulation 
voicing. And if you max it out, obviously it applies that modulation to everything because it's dynamics based. I'd always just had it in the middle so that as you dug in, you got more modulation, but actually maxing it out. So you turn your delay pedal into a permanently lo-fi tape machine vibrato delay is really cool and really useful. And it yeah, just goes to show, dear listener, learn learn what your pedals do. I think that's the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I Well, the, uh, yeah, all of this to say, too, the other thing we talked about that I, I still am sort of giggling about, so I'm going to tell everyone else now, is that... <laughs> Is the the idea of having a pedal like like the Cirrus has so many options on it and everything, which is wonderful and is genuinely what I want. There also exists a world where I want a pedal that is set up to do those big post rock walls of sound that you get from like Mogwai explosions in the sky, that kind of stuff. That is just an on off pedal. Like everything, <laughs> everything is inside it. There's no controls. Y- you can't do anything. Maybe, le- maybe level, but it's just like a single button, like boom, there it is. <laughs> and it's like, and it just magically makes that sound. That would be great. I, I'm so up for that because fuzzes yeah. do it. You get loads, loads of oh, fuzz yeah. companies do that. I've got farm pedals, leaf mm. fuzz that's got no controls on it. I had a, a, a prickle fuzz oh yeah uh, that you know had no controls on it there's uh yeah there is that it's just do it with a delay reverb oh the lazy compressor from um anna sounds actually i think that does have one setting but i think it's just a blend so Mm. lose the blend and that would be there you know i was thinking actually i was thinking of doing a range of guitar nerds pedals where i just make mini pedals with just a foot switch and the Guitar Nerds logo on them, and uh-huh. I'll put different circuits in random ones. So you might get an unlatched kill switch, or you might get a phaser, always slow, with just an on-off. You might get a fuzz. You might, I, I, I'm, I'm up for that. And just not, Man. I won't even know what they are. I'll yeah. put put the circuits in, jumble them up, and then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll uh, people can purchase them from the Guitar Nerd shop for like twenty quid, but you don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah. I, I love the idea that we could do that, that we basically take the model that everyone's doing now and doing really simple, simple pedals for, for cheap, but we do it. And it's like, we take away the controls. I don't worry about this too, but it's like, it's just like, this is our phaser setting and it's the only phaser setting you're allowed to have. <laughs> That's it. This, this, <laughs> like, this is our transparent drive setting. It's the only transparent, it's the only setting. There's no dip switches. There's no yeah. internal rotary, nothing. It's just like, this is what it sounds like. Take it or leave it. That that is uh, yeah. I'm gonna make sure this. I'll I'll even put glue all over the circuit board so there's oh, yeah. no way anyone could alter it. Yeah, oh, this oh. is uh, <laughs> this is definitely a solution. I'm 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 gonna do that. I have like like something like forty or fifty unlatched uh, guitar nerds kill switches turning up in the next week. I wonder if mm. I can just uh, put something in each of them. I need to buy some circuits and. Uh, yeah. see what i can do this this is going to happen dear listener yeah. i think uh, i've got excited about in, enough about it now um to to actually make it happen anyway we are coming up to the end of uh this week's podcast so um jd and me are going to head over to the patreon episode um where we're going to talk about a few things we didn't get round this week to talking about a couple of the new releases obviously very excitingly uh, there's a new 1981 pedal and the the topic of warm audio, premium versions of other people's pedals, a bit like what Behringer do, only premiumer. So mm-hmm. let's uh, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. But you can join us over there if you want to get in touch with us for any reason, dear listener. You can email us at info at guitarnerds.net, DM us on Instagram, ask us in the Facebook group, the Guitar Nerds group. If you're a Patreon supporter, contact us through there. Um, our next episode will be over on patreon.com forward slash guitarners for all the info on how to sign up and support our charming community just head over there you can support us for as little as a dollar a month thank you very much for listening you've been lovely we've been the guitar nerds farewell goodbye well 
that's it for another week of the Guitar Nerds podcast, which only leaves me to say thank you eternally and very, very muchly to all of our top-tier Patreon backers. Thank you very much to Marcus Deluxe, Suresh, Dorsonic Pickups, Chris Franklin, Anton Fryant, Russ Meehan, Barry Gresbick, Steve Davis, Daniel Walker, Jorin Brown, John Conway, The Studio Rats, Russell Healing, Yogi the Guitarist, Ty Allen, Carl Harris, Sean Hughes, Andy Hoffler, Eric Hemmer, Jeffrey Wax, Brian Einsler, Mark Hisiao Kaduaki, Stuart Robson, Eric File, Peter Pesce, Andy Manley, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Radomski, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Wharton, James Dor, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Losef, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, Kytopia the Band, J.D. Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Nordvik, Scott O'Brien, and the wonderful Moog Graphics.